Diversity, equity, and inclusion statements have been around for several decades, but they have gained significant prominence and attention in recent years due to their growing focus on DEI issues in society, particularly in the wake of the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements. This has led many organizations to renew their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion and putting more effort into developing DEI statements. Welcome to episode 142 of This Shit Works, the podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, speaker, author, and networking coach. And today I am discussing why your diversity statement could be turning off your candidates. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. The first known diversity statement was published in 1987 by Xerox Corporation, which declared its commitment to diversity and its belief that a diverse workforce was essential for business success. In the wake of the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements, companies rushed to create DEI statements statements that were posted on their websites, career pages, and social media accounts. I recently came across an article in Harvard Business Review that was based off the findings of a forthcoming study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology titled, The Business Case for Diversity Backfires, Detrimental Effects of Organizations' Instrumental Diversity Rhetoric for Unrepresented Group Members' Sense of Belonging. The study analyzed the diversity statements of Fortune 500 companies and found that the vast majority, about 80%, cited the business case for diversity or the potential benefits it can bring to the organizational performance, while only 1% to 5% invoked fairness. The rest just gave no justification. The study went on to find that among all the underrepresented groups in various experiments, LGBT plus professionals, African-Americans, and women seeking jobs in STEM fields, reading about the business case reduced their anticipated sense of belonging and diminished their interest in working in the firm. Here are my thoughts on why your diversity statement may be turning away the very candidates you hope that it will attract. One, lack of authenticity. Many diversity statements are viewed as generic and insincere. Candidates want to see real action and outcomes from a company rather than just words on a page. Two, tokenism. Candidates may see diversity statements as a way for a company to merely check a box and avoid negative publicity. This can come across as disingenuous and unappealing. Three, inconsistency. If a company's actions don't align with the diversity statement, candidates will feel less likely to trust the company's commitment to diversity and inclusion. Four, lack of clarity. Some diversity statements may use vague or even confusing language that fails to communicate the company's goals and values effectively. This can be frustrating and unappealing to candidates who are looking for a clear understanding of a company's diversity and inclusion initiatives and why they're doing it. And five, 
lack of diversity in leadership. I mean, if a company's leadership team is not diverse, candidates may see the diversity statement as empty rhetoric. Without diverse representation in leadership, it can be difficult for candidates to trust the company is genuinely committed to promoting diversity and inclusion. So, overall, yeah, a diversity statement is a essential tool for promoting inclusivity and attracting diverse talent, but it needs to be authentic and clear and backed up by real actions from the company. Otherwise, it is just that. It's words on a page and empty rhetoric, and that could be turning off your candidates. Okay. On to the drink of the week, which, for the first time in a long time, is not a cocktail, but a wine. I chose to highlight the McBride sisters and their black girl magic wines. In an industry historically defined by tradition and gender, these two fierce, forward-thinking women are transforming the industry and leading by example one delicious bottle of wine at a time growing into what is not only the largest Black-owned wine company in the United States, but one of the most inclusive, accessible, and socially aware and sustainable ones as well. I'm not going to pick one of their wines because, honestly, all their wines are so good, and I wanted you to check out their entire portfolio. So I'm putting a link in the show notes to their website so you can learn more about their delicious wines and perhaps even join their wine club if you want. All right, that's it for this week, friends. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, you can find my book, This Shit Works, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can find me on LinkedIn at JulieBrownBD. Just let me know where you found me when you reach out. I am JulieBrown underscore BD on the Instagram, or you can pop on over to my website, JulieBrownBD.com. Until next week, cheers. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works. This Shit Works.